1: Charge for wasting our time. <laughs> I will take a check with a old
0: You recognize her from anchoring on CNN, CNBC, and Bloomberg. The only financial expert you don't need a dictionary to understand. The cold lapin. Even if you're your own boss, you can't get away from the dreaded "Where do you see yourself in five years?" question. So. Where do you see yourself in five years? Are you going to stick it out as CEO of your company? Are you going to sell your business baby to a parent company? To help you think through some of these questions, I'm bringing on Megan Asha. Megan's company, Made, helps up-and-coming companies get matched with large retailers. Think Whole Foods, Target, those kind of places. Today, we're going to be talking about the different paths a founder can take and where they may lead. Megan Welcome to Money Rehab. Oh, I am so happy to be on Money Rehab. I want to dig into your company. You just sold your company. This is so exciting. And I think a lot of our listeners want to understand how that even happens. So before we get into how you did that with Foundermade, for folks who don't know, I don't know what they've been doing with their lives, but can you explain what Foundermade is?
1: Uh, so Founder Made is a think like if you guys are familiar with big trade shows, we are a trade show company uh, that features everything from food, beauty, wellness products um, across the spectrum. We, we highlight all the best innovations and then we bring them to retailers. So if you are a, a consumer brand, you have to exhibit at your, our show. You'll meet all the right people in D2C. You'll meet all the right investors. We are the curated platform for uh, these products to get discovered and to connect to the right resources. So we work with companies like Target, Klarna, Shopify, I mean, you name it. We've we've had all of these great, great brands and sponsors. And when I was building this company originally, I didn't even know we were a trade show company. So back in the day, I thought we were, I was, I was in tech and I built this just as I started at, started as a, um, I started as a dinner series really when I was working in, in BC and tech and i just thought i was going to do this as a as a fun dinner series where we would just do dinners and connect people and and then it turned into a investment conference and then quickly we figured out that uh, a business that was basically a trade show, and I'd never been in the trade show business. I didn't understand it. I thought it was super old school. Come to find out, you know, it actually is an incredible business. Even post pandemic, guys. Even post pandemic, when we're not, we're not allowed to see people. We really transitioned the business. A lot of our other, you know, I'd say collaborators, competitors that were working in 2019 are no longer. Um, around. So we're known as the unicorn of the industry because we totally pivoted the business in the midst of pandemic um, when we had millions of dollars of revenue on the line and couldn't fulfill for our customers. it was been a really fun two years of, of building this business. And uh couldn't do it without our team.
0: Well, it's longer than two years that you built the business. But the last two years, you pivoted like a freaking champ and made people care about trade shows, which are normally IRL. You made them care about it URL. And of course, everybody does still need, whether you're in a pandemic or on lockdown or not, consumer products, goods. I wanted to just, before we continue, get to some of those acronyms, because you mentioned D2C. I just want to define those for anyone who might not know
1: what they are. I love that. So CPG, consumer package goods, right? And then D to C, direct consumer products. So anything that you are buying online, uh, that you know, that's direct consumer where you're having a direct relationship with your consumer.
0: Versus at like a big box retailer like Whole Foods or Target or some other aggregator. And then the consumer packaged goods would be anything like snacks to makeup. Okay, so you pivoted the business and then you sold it. If we rewind though, you started this business as a dinner series at first. How did you learn how to even create a trade show.
1: I didn't even know what I was doing or that it was supposed to be a business. I'm just going to be really, really honest because I was just doing this for fun as a side hustle. Like, you know, there's the girls that do female founders dinners or any of these types of things. I just loved listening to an inspirational story and bringing the right people around and doing this. And so I just kept doing these dinners. Just because I was depressed working as a, in VC, I was like, I'm too, I'm too young to be, uh, <laughs> to be on the investing side. I want I wanted to be on the operating side, but I don't know what I want to do. And Founder Made started as dinners, and then I just kind of went into it, going, okay, what's the, what's, what are people getting from these dinners? Let me turn this into a, you know, a Shark Tank for wellness, and then, and then it turned into bigger trade shows, and so didn't know really anything. And just did it very startupy. We did raise a little money when we started. We had you know great angel investors like uh, Priyanka Chopra's manager and and uh, Angela and and Gary Vaynerchuk and you know we had some really great consumer founders and great people that bet on. You know, I think when you start off with seed capital, it's really like your network and who you, you know, and they're just kind of betting on you. And they're like, this girl's got a lot of energy. She's great. So of, much one of, energy. One of, All one of the of my angel investors came from my gym class where I was jumping really high and she'd seen me jump for so long that she said, maybe me and my husband should invest in you. I, I think what what is the most exciting part of being an entrepreneur is you start with an idea and you don't know where it's actually going to go. And then you look back years later and you're like, whoa. That started from dinners. That started from dinners. And then someone wanted to buy us. What or actually a lot of different people wanted to buy us. And there's all these different decisions that you have to make along the way. And so you do need that support system to help you. Um, and, and just, you know, it's also pattern recognition. So being able to see other people that are further along their journey and listening to their stories sometimes will help you make, make the right decision.
0: Hold on to your wallets, boys and girls. Money Rehab will be right back. Now for some more money rehab. I mean, listen, sister, I've been to many of a founder or entrepreneur at dinner, and there's a lot of like rah, rah, go grind. I mean, with all due respect to one of your angel investors, Gary Vee, but like that kind of mentality and everybody's doing great and everybody's one upping each other. And that's not the case at mean, You've done such an amazing job really keeping it real And being honest about the struggles and being helpful from that place of honesty. So I no doubt know that you're going to continue to use that honesty when talking about selling your business because, you know, oftentimes people use a lot of sound bites and make it sound glorious and glamorous and, you know, others looking at it might feel bad about themselves. So to keep it real with that same sensibility, tell me about selling your company.
1: We had brought in a CFO that helped us, uh, that came on about five years ago, four or five years ago. And he said, listen, I don't work with any companies that I don't think are gonna sell in the next three years. And that was, and it's so funny because, you know I'd even think I wasn't even thinking about that but then he got me to think bigger because he had basically been a part of these other trade show companies he kind of knew the formula that would happen he could put together all the financial operations um, you know and because we really I mean we we had no idea what we were doing when we started I mean I just blatantly, that our one of our first shows was a complete disaster <laughs> i'm not going to lie i think <laughs> it was a disaster i was uh, listen it i was there, there but but it but, lo- but, but yeah. from a trade show perspective no we always had the right people we always had everything but from just an operations because i think when you scale and you you try to scale fast and you don't have the right people involved in operations and finance um it's it makes it really really challenging to scale in a in a bigger way so fast forward you know pandemic hits Right before, um, you know, I wasn't even thinking about selling the company. We were doing really, really well, kind of doubling, you know, tripling in growth every year. And, um, and then pandemic hit. And I met somebody for coffee, just, just a random coffee in February before everything shut down, before we shut our office. And so you just never know. It was like, it was such a random meeting. You know, it was one of uh, another friend in the industry and just said, "Let's can you please meet this woman for, you know, a coffee at, at Crosby Hotel? And we met and I didn't, I hadn't thought about us selling or anything. And then literally we're three months into the pandemic and I'm sitting there with like millions of revenue, but she's seeing us pivot the business. So it's May May and June. um, And she's seeing us and she's like, listen, I, I'm still really interested in your business. And I work for a much bigger trade show company and, you know, hadn't thought about it. Um, They gave us an offer. We actually had a bunch of other people and other show industry media companies approach us during that time as well. And so it was just, it was an interesting thing. It's almost like you're getting courted normally when people go out for acquisition, they use a banker or they use a third party that goes out and you go out actively. I think for us, we were in a different place and I just, we never hired a banker. And I, again, like I, I, my advice sometimes is if, if, if you can get the inbounds, get the inbounds and, and, you know, wait to, you know, pay a banker a bunch of money or do a bunch of different things, like, and, and try to, you know, maybe if you have a really strong internal team, you can actually do all the diligence work and, Um, and go through it. So we, we had like a a number of rounds of diligence. We did a lot of different courting with people and, and then came back to our original deal. And it actually was good that we held off because we, you know, could show that we were more profitable than we were when we started the conversations. We were, you know, we had, you know, we had, created a completely different model and you know it was awesome to have industry leaders that i looked up to say to us oh my god you guys are like the unicorns of the industry like everybody else in events are kind of just holding off until they can do live events and you guys are just deciding to (laughs) continue to keep going with the same you know with, with the same you know revenue goals for your shows that you would have so when and why
0: would somebody want to sell their business
1: i mean it really depends on your goals I, I think that i looked at where we were at and i looked at the 30 years of knowledge that i would need to get to scale my business to the next level so this company that you know acquired us they've been in the industry for 30 30 years they've seen the ups and downs they've seen 9 they you know they've they've been through the and you know they've been through the pandemic with you know trade shows happening in dubai and china and and so I think for, for us, it would just made perfect sense where I was like, okay, can, how can we turn this into the next CES? And so I think we, we just looked at all the shows they were doing. We looked at, you know, how, you, you know, their foot, footprint internationally and, and what we want to do long-term and we just, it made sense. Um, and so I think, you know, from a scalability perspective, I would say if, if, if you're an entrepreneur and you have gotten into a certain place and you don't know, and especially for us, we were in the middle of a pandemic. I wanted to de-risk this business, and I feel like we really did by finding the right partner that can, you know, help us amplify the growth. But look for partners that you can, you know, to, you can work with in an acquisition realm that can help you scale your mission.
0: So, being acquired by this group, Tarsus Group, what does that actually mean? Can you help us follow the money trail here? You know, typically when a founder has their company acquired, do they just get a lump sum payment and boom, they're no longer in the business, or do you stay on? Or how does the money work?
1: Yeah, so I mean, for us, we're, we're in this for the long haul. Um, I'm chairing the business, and we have a great executive team that are that's running the business and doing an incredible job. No, we're, we're all incentivized to grow the business. Is basically how the money trail works.
0: <laughs> and how does an earnout work? What is an earnout?
1: An earnout is over a certain amount of time, a, a certain time period. So anywhere from two to five years, um, and it can even be as short as one year. Uh, you have certain KPIs that you have to build, you have to drive the business towards so that there's... So we all... KPI. Oh, KPIs. high KPIs. <laughs> Key Hi. performance indicators. <laughs> okay, we're right. Okay. So example would be uh, you have to get to a certain amount of uh, revenue. Sales or so revenue, right. EBITDA. Ding, ding, ding. EBITDA. EBITDA earnings Earnings before interest interest.
0: taxes depreciation amortization or whatever version of that so like earnings before a bunch of other shit is taken out (laughs) this is a big deal model (laughs) (laughs) i love being on money rehab we love having you and so you consider yourself a hindu Yes. I mean, we've seen Pyle from ClassPass sell her company. We've seen a lot more minority women sell their businesses. Yay. Uh, what more can be done to increase those numbers?
1: I think that making sure that these stories get out to the broader public is really important because it is, I think that we used to think M&A was a man's game, right? And Mergers and acquisitions. Sorry, M&A, mergers and acquisition um, is a man's game. And uh, I think that it's not, I mean, I think you can, there's so much opportunity for, you know, depending on, you know, what you, what you want to do with your company, there, there's an opportunity to sell it, to build it, but just getting these stories, that's really important.
0: For today's tip, you can take straight to the bank. One of the ways Megan has been helpful to new brands is by encouraging them to get their products in front of big retailers. Take her advice. If you're making a product, be it chocolate, Candles, paintings, whatever your jam, maybe it's literal jam, whatever it is, get your product in front of a big retailer. Do a little online stalking and find the press contact for some of these mega companies and ask for the best mailing address to send some product. Why tell someone how great your product is over email when they could see it or taste it themselves? The proof is in the pudding or jam.